It, it is good to be here, ACAC. It is good. My wife and I came in on um, Friday, and we got here around dinner time. We went to the uh, hotel, and there's a restaurant right by the hotel, and we sat, sat down to eat. And as we were eating, on the, um, what is it, music? Yeah. Speakers, thank you. I couldn't even think of it. <laughs> that thing that plays music. <laughs> on the, coming through the speakers was a song by John Denver. It's good to, so good to be back home. And I thought that was really, really key. It's, it's good to be back home. It's good to be here with you. It's good to uh, just be a part of the service this weekend. Pastor Allen, thank you for the invitation. It is uh, just a joy and honor to serve you this weekend and to be a part of, of uh, everything that is go that's going on here. And Pastor Rock, it is so good to see you. So good to see you and to be here in service with you. I want to invite you to join me as we look at the book of Haggai, chapter 2, and we're going to begin with verse 1. Uh, in a minute, I'm going to ask you to stand, but before I do that, uh, this past, this is what, September 2nd today? Third, okay, so September 1st marked 35 years of me being a part of the Christian Missionary Alliance. But I grew up in what I call a Baptocostal background. And so y'all know that in a Baptocostal church, you talk back to the preacher. Promise me you ain't going to leave a brother up here by himself this weekend, all right? <laughs> okay? All right, let's stand together as we look into God's Word. Haggai chapter 2. On the 21st day of the seventh month, the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai. Speak to Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, to Joshua, son of Josadak, the high priest, and to the remnant of the people. Ask them, who of you is left who saw this house in its former glory? How does it look to you now? Does it not seem to you like nothing? But now be strong, Zerubbabel, declares the Lord. Be strong, Joshua, son of Zozadak, the high priest. Be strong, all you people of the land, declares the Lord, and work. For I am with you, declares the Lord Almighty. This is what I covenanted with you when you came out of Egypt, and my spirit remains among you. Do not fear. This is what the Lord Almighty says. In a little while, I will once more shake the heavens and the earth, the sea and the dry land. I will shake all nations, and what is desired by all nations will come. And I will fill this house with glory, says the Lord Almighty. The silver is mine, and the gold is mine, declares the Lord Almighty. The glory of this present house will be greater than the glory of the former house, says the Lord Almighty. And in this place, I will grant peace declares the Lord Almighty. For the few moments that we have together in God's Word, I want to put this on as a topic or a tag, if you will. Glory, not glory days. Glory, not glory days. Would you join me in prayer? Father God, as we look into your Word, open our eyes that we would see. Open our ears that we would hear. Open our hearts that we would receive. Open our wills that we would respond. Pour out your spirit for this time, for this service, for these people, for this moment. In the name of the Father and Son and the Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Glory, 
not glory days. Those of you who know our family know that we have six children. Let me show you a picture of them right now. Tyler is uh, going to be 33, Drew 31, Philip just turned 30. The tallest one is our youngest one. That's Grace. She's going to be 24. And then the twins, Karis and Kelsey, are going to be 28. This is a picture that was taken five years ago at Drew's wedding. We don't get together as often as kids are all over the place and doing their thing. But this was them five years ago. But my favorite picture that I like to go back to is this picture. Taken right here in the parking lot at ACAC, Easter 2002. This gives you a picture of their personalities and what they were like. I often look back at this picture, and I get a little teary-eyed. I get a little nostalgic. I see that, and then I look at pictures that go even be, be further back than that. And then my heart is just like, oh, I want to go back to those days. They were so cute. I loved it. And my wife's like, you crazy. Her theme song is the old Israel Houghton theme song. I'm not going back. I'm moving ahead. Ain't no way she's going back. But I get nostalgic. I remember those days. I love those days. They had their own greeting for me when I would come in the house and they'd come barreling down the stairs. They were wonderful days. I long for those days until May 26, 2021. Let me show you what happened. Sarah Lee Winona Walker was born, the first grandbaby, little, little girl. I go to Houston, Texas, walk in the house, take out my wallet, put it down. And whatever Sarah Lee wants, Sarah Lee gets. Walk through Walmart and she's pulling something off the shelf. Put it in the cart. She can have it. She can have it. Whatever she wants. And I thought that was a great day. And then July 24th, 2023 came along. And little Nora Helena Walker. Nora was 10 weeks premature. We're going to Texas next week. And I want you to pray that when we get there, she will greet us at home. Because she's still in the hospital, but they're talking about discharging her. And I want, you know, I, I, I'll be, I'm glad that, uh, you know, we're, we're getting to see her. Uh, but, I, you know, I'm looking forward to holding her. Something shifted when these two were born. In 29 months, I have not once said, man, I'd love to go back to when the kids were small. While there have been nostalgic moments as I've looked back, uh, now my longings have turned to Thanksgiving, and I'm enjoying this new season of being Buelo to Sarah Lee and looking forward to the day that Nora calls me Buelo. My hope for future generations has increased. I'm enjoying the goodness of God in ways and new refreshing ways than I've ever enjoyed his goodness before. Now, that's what I realized about my family. Let's talk about the people of God for a minute. Sometimes our veneration of the past keeps us from seeing and celebrating the glory of God in the present. And when we do that, we lose sight of and miss out of on the goodness of God in the present season that we're in. 
God's people can get so focused on what we had that we miss out on the greatness of what we have. Maybe a more direct way of saying it is, y'all, we talk too much about the past. We talk too much about the past. And we fail to take in the celebration of what God is doing now. And when that happens, we lose vision for what God wants to do in the future. Don't get me wrong. It's good to enjoy and celebrate the things of the past. Don't think I didn't walk around this building and on this property when I got here. And I, oh, I remember when. Oh, that was 12 years of, I, I did. It's good to look at the past. But when our past becomes the place for which we constantly long, it's hard to see the beauty of the present and gain vision for the greatness that awaits in the future. It's okay to acknowledge and celebrate and be thankful for past seasons. What we do, however, is memorialize and canonize the past seasons to the point that we lament that those seasons are no more and we can't see what God is doing now. But I'm thankful for the word of God because I think there are some lessons we can learn from the passage that we've just read that can help us move past the temptation to be stuck in what we deem to be the glory days of our lives. Hey, God, chapter 2. We find a crew that's discouraged. This is the remnant of God's people that have returned home from their place of exile and they're intent on rebuilding the walls of the city, the walls of their city that have been lying in ruins for, for decades. But before they do that, one key piece has to be put in place. And that is the rebuilding of the temple, the rebuilding of the house of worship for God. Zerubbabel, who is the governor, and Joshua, who's the son of the high priest, and the crew that's been building along with them have been working hard. They've rebuilt the altar. They've reinstituted the sacrifices to the Lord. But as they laid the foundation of the, and of the, of the temple that they're going to rebuild, uh, they, they, they were met with some, a discouraging response by some people. And the Lord, through, God, uh, through the prophet Haggai, sent a word that encouraged them to keep building, to keep going, to keep pressing through the discouragement. Now, before we move on to what I want to bring out from the passage, uh, uh, I'd like to take a moment and read to you from the book of Ezra, because I think that also gives some context for where we are today. Ezra chapter 3, verses 10 to 13 says this. When the builders laid the foundation of the temple of the Lord, the priests in their vestments and with trumpets, and the Levites, the sons of Asaph with cymbals, took their places to praise the Lord, as, as prescribed by David, king of Israel. With praise and thanksgiving, they sang to the Lord, He is good. His love toward Israel endures forever. All the people gave a great shout of praise to the Lord because the foundation of the house of the Lord was laid. But many of the older priests and Levites and family heads who had seen the former temple wept aloud when they saw the foundation of this temple being laid, while many others shouted for joy. No one could distinguish the sound of the shouts of joy from the sound of weeping, because the people made such, so much noise, and the sound was heard far away. Here they are rebuilding the house of the Lord. Here they are, laying the temple foundation. And here they are, hearing both the shouts of joy and the laments of the other people. 
And in the midst of that, there were others who were discouraging them. And it hindered the rebuilding of the temple. And God has a word to speak into that place. And as I look at those passages, there are three things that I see that I believe the Lord has for us. I don't want us to miss out on these lessons as we think through what the Lord might want to say to us about honoring the past while at the same time leaning into and celebrating what's present and the future. All the points that I have begin with the letter P. What kind of preacher would I be if I didn't have alliteration, right? I want to remember these. Let's look at this. The first P I see is this. Presence. God's present glory in the house far outweighs the glory days of the house. God's present glory in the house far outweighs the glory days of the house. But now be strong, Zerubbabel, declares the Lord. Be strong, Joshua, son of Josadak, the high priest. Be strong, all you people of the land, declares the Lord, and work. For I am with you, declares the Lord Almighty. This is what I've covenanted with you when you, come, when you came out of Egypt. And my spirit remains among you. Do not fear. Did you see those three praises? I am with you. I covenanted with you. And my spirit remains among you. Here's what the Lord was saying. It didn't matter what the edifice was. It mattered that my presence was with you. Here they are. They're back home. The place of worship is being restored. The temple foundation has been laid. This is what they've longed for. So why amidst the celebration were the people weeping? And why were they wailing? They were focused on the fact that the temple wasn't as impressive to them as the temple that Solomon built. They were focused so much on the glory of the building that they forgot that it was the Shekinah glory that guided them with a cloud by day and a pillar by night. They were so upset that in their eyes, this did not have the grandeur of the former temple, that they forgot about the fact that even the former temple was nothing more than an opulent edifice until the, the, the Ark of the Covenant was placed in the building. If you know what happened when they built, Solomon built this temple and they came to dedicate it, there was one last piece that had to happen, and that was the Ark of the Covenant would be put in place. And when the Ark of the Covenant, which represented the presence of the Lord was put in place. The word says that the glory of the Lord filled the temple in such a way that the priests couldn't even go ahead and do what their normal duties was. It was not the edifice. It was the presence of God. It was not the building. It was not the the, the foundation of the building. It was the foundation of the presence of God. There's this camp that I go to I've been going to it for, oh my, 20 plus years. Out in Iowa. People go, Iowa? What are you doing out in Iowa? Well, in the middle of this place in Iowa is a town called Arnold's Park. It is a beautiful resort area that has a beautiful um, Bible camp that was started by a pastor from the Christian Missionary Alliance. And it's still going today. And I go every year, a friend of mine leads worship. He invites me to be a part of the worship team, and God meets me in a special way every year I go. Well, I hadn't gone for two years, and so this year when I got there, I walked onto the campgrounds, and I looked around, and all of a sudden I knew something was different. It looked beautiful. They had upgraded the buildings. There were new buildings that had been built. They had painted things. There was signage that wasn't there before. It was just 
beautiful. For a while, I just walked around just going, wow, wow, great. And then we got together, as we always do. We practiced and uh, got together ready for the first service. And he said, let's meet for prayer in the green room at this time. The green room? Why are we meeting in the green room? What, where's, where's, what is the green room? We get together and we pray. And the whole time that we're in the green room praying, I'm like, this is not where we meet for prayer. Why are we in here? After the service, I went outside and looked around and went to the place that we were supposed to meet for prayer. The tree was still there. It's outside. tree was still there. They had now taken the grass and put all this stone in, in you know, take it out of the grass. It's supposed to look nice, but it just took up the grass. And I'm like, where's my prayer bench? The bench was gone. Disappeared. Nowhere to be found. I couldn't even find it on the campground to go pick it up and move it back. They moved my prayer bench. This is the place that we're supposed to meet for prayer before the service. This is the place that the glory of God falls. This is the place that the anointing happens. This is the place that we meet God and God meets us before the service. Not the green room. You know what happened. Two days later, we're in the green room. And somebody begins to pray. And the glory of God falls. And all of a sudden, I get rebuked. Because I realized I was so focused on the place that I lost sight of the presence. How many of y'all been walking around looking for that chair that's been moved that you are sure that when Pastor Allen isn't around, I'm gonna grab that chair and I'm gonna put it back because nobody told him to move it. That's my chair in my place. This is the way it's supposed to be set up. Friends, it's not about the place. It's not about the edifice. It's about the presence of God. If you're going to look back and celebrate anything, celebrate the presence of God through the seasons. And let that be a faith builder that if he's been present with you in the past, he'll be present with you now. And if he's present with you now, he'll be present with you in the future. When you pass through the waters, I'll be with you presence, God's present glory in the house far outweighs the glory days of the house. But second, provision. All you need for the house belongs to the one whose glory fills the house. All you need for the house belongs to the one whose glory fills the house. The silver is mine and the gold is mine, declares the Lord Almighty. I have a sneaky suspicion that another part of what was going on in the minds of those who were weeping and lamenting uh, about the former temple, Solomon's temple, uh, I think that it was that that, Sol that temple was provided for by resources from Solomon's father, King David. They provided the resources. The, uh, their minds now looked at what they had, and they were like, we don't have what we had in the past. We can't do this. It's not going to be as opulent, not going to be as grand, because we don't have as much as we had before. We can't provide all of those things. We can't do what we did. We can't bring, notice the word we, we, 
they, they. It didn't look that way because they didn't have what they had before. And I can hear God saying in the midst of that, you're crying over a few jewels that you can't put on the wall of the temple? You're wailing over some gold that you can't point, uh, you can't paint the pillars of this thing with that gold? There's not an ounce of silver or gold that you need that I can't provide. It's all mine. Your vision is as small as the foundation over which you weep because you've gotten to the point where you trust the work of your own hands and you're used to being your own provision, but you've forgotten that I own the cattle on a thousand hills and there's nothing that can't be provided. This is nothing to me. Something else that I, uh, I see here. They seem to have missed the full uh, part of the word that God gave them when they were in exile. He told them to build their houses, plant their fields, marry off their sons and daughters. And then he told them, pray for the peace and prosperity of the city that you find yourself in exile. Because when this city prospers, you too will prosper. Now, get this. The nation, the empire that took them into captivity was overtaken by another nation, another empire. This empire was the empire that sent them home, but this empire was also the empire that financed them going home. How do you think those finances came about? This empire, when they took over this empire, also got all the resources that this empire had. And these resources that this empire had were built upon the backs of these people who were planting their fields, building their houses. God was providing for them then what they would need when they got back home. It all belongs to him. It's all his provision. Let me say this, friends. If the vision God is giving is not bigger than your provision, you will never know the beauty of the God who provides. You will never know the beauty of the God who provides. Can I say it another way? If you do it with your own hands and out of your own pocket, your vision will be limited because you have limited resources. And God's presence and provision will not be re fully revealed the way that it should be revealed. I stand here today thankful that I am Reverend Dr. Kelvin Walker. But I stand here today with that done not because I had everything that I needed to put something on my bill. Every time the bill came around, I was like, huh, I can do this. I can do this. I put something on it. I put something on it. Do you know I stand here debt-free today? Not because of what I provided, but because of people who came alongside me without me even knowing it and provided scholarships so that I could come out debt-free. While I was trying to do it, God was already providing. There's a pastor I heard this week who talks about his old country granddaddy who would say it this way, I ain't got nothing, but I ain't lacking nothing. And that's because God that I serve is the one who provides. The what, all that you need. If I sing it right now, you'd break out and sing it with me. Great is thy faithfulness. Great is thy faithfulness. Morning by morning, new mercies I see. All I have needed, we sing it, but we live like we've got to provide it. We sing it, but we look like it's our provision, our hand. Nothing we need.
is provided by us. It's all his. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. Presence. God's present glory in the house is far greater than the glory days of the house. Provision. All you need for the house belongs to the one whose glory fills the house. And there's one more P that I see here. This is what the Lord says. I'm looking at verse 6. This is what the Lord Almighty says. In a little while, I will once more shake the heavens and the earth, the sea and the dry land, and I will shake all nations. And what is desired by all nations will come, and I will fill this house with glory, says the Lord Almighty. The third P that stands out to me for the text is this, promise. The one whose glory fills the house promised a future glory that would save the house. The glory of this present house will be greater than the glory of the former house, says the Lord Almighty. And in this place I will grant peace, declares the Lord Almighty. The people were weeping because they thought the glory was the house itself. They didn't understand the greater glory of which the prophet spoke that, which, that would come to fill the house forever. It's the glory that John the disciple spoke of when he said in John 1, and the word, and we beheld his glory. The glory of, as the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Let me close by uh, just telling you a story from when I was a student at Nyack College. Uh, when I was a music major, and we used to get together, the other music majors and I, and we'd write songs. We'd have to do it for class. Uh, so we'd write songs for class. We'd write songs for other groups on campus. We'd write songs just to write songs and get, just to kind of have that experience. Well, there was one group that I wrote for on a regular basis. And in my junior year, uh, another student said, hey, why don't we write a song together for this group? That was a great idea. It'd be good, good, good to get together and do it. So as good college students, we waited till the night before the, the, the song was due. And uh, he came over to my room, and we began to write, talk through some ideas and, you know, some phrases and some music lines and things like that. And so as he's talking, I'm notating, and we're working on this, and things are starting to formulate. And as we get going, you know, we're a couple hours into this, and all of a sudden, as I'm notating, I realize it's silent. This dude fell asleep <laughs> on my bed. While I'm sitting at the desk, writing a song that we're supposed to be co-writing, it's got to be done. So I go to work and I spend a few hours taking the notes that he, that he and I put together. I'm putting some ideas myself and I put the song together. He does eventually wake up. And when he woke up, I was like, hey, look, this is what I got. So I showed it to him. He looked at it. He was like, oh, this is good. This is good. This is, I like this. So why don't we change this a little bit? Great. Let's do this. And we make all the edits and everything, and the song is done. We put a name on the song, and we're ready to go. And there's one last piece he brings up. How our name's going to be listed on the song? How our name's going to be listed on the song? Don't you mean how my name's going to be listed on the song? You asleep. I wrote this thing. He then suggests this. Why don't we just put our names in alphabetical order? Yes, W is at the end of the alphabet. Exactly. His name, his last, I won't tell you what the, the letter of his last name began with, but I guarantee you it began with something before W. His name goes on the song first. My name goes on the song last. That means when this song is introduced, it's going to say written by so-and-so and Kelvin Walker. Y'all, I was swole. 
I was upset. And we introduced the song. And I only think about the fact that his name is first. This went on for a couple of days. And finally, I knew I had to do something, get my soul right. And I prayed. And I complained. And I lamented. And I complained some more. Finally, after I was done, the Lord said these words to me. Kelvin, who cares who gets the credit as long as I get the glory? Friends, I've come to tell you that the promised glory of which Haggai prophesied has come. God has gotten the glory. For you see, this glory of which Haggai prophesied was the one who was brought into the temple by Mary and Joseph to be dedicated when he was eight years old. And when he showed up, the old man Simeon said of him, My eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. And when in the same temple the prophetess Anna saw this promised glory. She thanked God and prophesied about this promised glory to all who were looking forward to the redemption of, of Jerusalem. And as Simeon spoke these words, and as Anna prophesied the promise, uh, as Anna prophesied, I want to submit to you that the promise from Haggai was being fulfilled, and God was getting the glory. This glory of which Haggai prophesied was found by his mother Mary in the temple when he was 12 years old, wowing and amazing people with his understanding. And as Mary went to discipline him, asking him why he treated them like this, having them running all over the place looking for him when he should have been with them when they left the temple, this glory simply asked her, why are you searching for me? Didn't you know I'd be about my father's business? And as he made that statement, I submit to you that the promise of Haggai was being fulfilled and God was getting the glory. This promised glory of which Haggai prophesied came into that very same temple some 18 years later after being baptized by John and after surviving 40 days and 40 nights in the wilderness being tempted by Satan. And when he walked into the temple, the first thing this promised glory did was open the book of Isaiah and began to read from Isaiah chapter 61, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoner and recovery for the sight of the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And when he was done, this promised glory said to the leaders in the temple, today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. And I'd like to submit to you that as he was saying these words, the promise of Haggai was fulfilled and God was getting the glory. This promised glory of which Haggai prophesied when trying to convey to the leaders of the day who he said he, who he was saying of himself, he said I am the light of the world and whoever comes after me shall no longer walk in darkness but shall have the light of life. In fact, this is what you need to know about me. Before Abraham was, I am. And as he said that, the promise of Haggai was being fulfilled, and I submit to you that God was getting the glory. This glory of which Haggai spoke was the one who was wounded for our transgressions and bruised for our iniquities, and the punishment that brought us peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. This glory of which Haggai prophesied was let up a 
hill called Golgotha and crucified on a cross for your sin and my sin. As old time preachers used to say about this guy when I was in the tradition where I grew up, they hung him high and they stretched him wide and pierced my Savior in his side. And then they had the nerve when he died to lay this promised glory, this promised glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father filled with grace and truth, the promise of which Hagar spoke. They had the nerve to lay him in a borrowed tomb and seal that borrowed tomb with a stone. And I used to wonder why the tomb they laid him in was borrowed. Wasn't this promised glory worth more than that? Didn't he deserve more? Wasn't it an embarrassing thing to lay this promised glory in a tomb that belonged to someone else? But then after a while, I thought about it and everything made sense. It had to be a borrowed tomb because he didn't plan on staying there long. Because early one Sunday morning, he got up with all power in his hand. And when he got up, God got the glory. This glory of which Haggai prophesied was promised to save the house. And he's been saving the house ever since. Brothers and sisters, whatever you do, don't lift up the glory days of the past. Lift up Jesus. Cherish what God has done. Talk about the way Jesus has worked in the past, but don't point people to the glory days of yesteryear as if he only worked then. Point people to Jesus because he's still working now. If he was a way maker back then, he's a way maker now. If he was a miracle worker back then, he's a miracle worker now. If he was a promise keeper back then, he's a promise keeper now. If he was light in the darkness back then, he's light in the darkness now, and he's still lighting the way through the darkness. Don't depend upon which you that which you can provide by your own hands. Trust the hands of Jesus, who is your provision. Not just physically, not just emotionally, not just financially. He's your provision spiritually. It's his presence that matters. It's his provision that will sustain you. It's his glory. It's for his glory that you and I exist. Don't get so caught up on the glory days. Seek and dwell in his glory that he's provided for the house for today. We give you all the glory we worship you our Lord you are worthy to be praised we give you all the glory we give you You're worthy, you are worthy. 
And now unto the King eternal, immortal, invisible, the only wise God, be all glory and honor forever and ever. And as you go from this place, go from this place knowing it's okay to be thankful for the way God showed forth his glory in the past. <laughs> but go from this place hungry for his presence now. Looking forward to what he is going to do in the future. Knowing that this God whose glory fills the house has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the son that he loves through whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sin. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. God bless you.